0: A good of Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. We're excited about Shabbos HaGadol, the great big Shabbos that's coming our way. And Baruch Hashem, we have many people in the shul are having Friday night dinner in the shul. We're expecting a lot of people for the luncheon and at Shalashudas. We've done everything we can to make your yunt of preparations easier and to be able to enjoy it in the shul. And as we get ready for Shabbos HaGadol, we'll have the Shabbos HaGadol drush on Shabbos. But to get everybody warmed up for Shabbos HaGadol, there's many reasons why this is called Shabbos HaGadol. The simplest reason is the day that the Jewish people had to uh, take a, a goat, which is the idol of the Egyptians, and tell the Egyptians they're going to kill it in four days, and they miraculously were not harmed. But there is al-pidrush, a way of contemporarily understanding this idea of Shabbos HaGadol, because today we're not taking any goats in front of Egyptians and having to worry about being killed. But what kind of avodah zorah can we kill this coming Shabbos, and really in the days coming up to uh running up to Pesach, which is coming very soon. And <clears throat> I heard a, a beautiful pshat by Eli Melech Bitterman, and he said the following. He says, this Shabbos, people often have to give up their usual habits in deference to the fact that the house has to be ready for Pesach. You know, maybe instead of chalas, you have small rolls, Instead of eating in the comfort of your dining room, you're in a little cramped kitchen in the hallway or outside on the porch if you live in a better environment than Toronto. And some people, you know, they, they dig their heels in during these situation and they insist that that's wrong. You have to show proper respect for Shabbos. You have to treat the Shabbos meals like all others, whatever the cost to those around them. We're going to have the meal in the dining room and everyone's going to have a proper Shabbos and I don't want to inconvenience myself. And it all may sound holy, but it's wrong. What's very important to realize, really, it should be already by now, but certainly by this Shabbos, the key word is to be mavater, to let go and to respect the will of others and conduct a Shabbos in a way that makes it easier for the ones charged with preparing for Pesach. Being mavater, being able to let go and give in, is what makes a person big. So this Shabbos gives us a chance to be big, to be gadol. As Revarla Belzer told us, he was once traveling by a taxi had a bend Over to enter the car, he said, (laughs) to move forward, a person has to bend over. So important. That's why the shul is bending over backwards to make your Shabbos easier. That it's a lot more work for the shul. It takes a lot of effort to organize and all these things as if we're not busy enough. But we have to be mevater, mavata on our comforts so everyone can enjoy Shabbos in the shul. And we all have to learn to be Mavatar. We can all become big on this Shabbos. There is a beautiful concept that is said in Shira Shirim in the seventh chapter. It says, Mayafu pa how beautiful are your footsteps, bano in the sandals, bas daughter of the nobles. The Gemara says, what's so beautiful about the sandals? It's an allusion to the beautiful steps the Jewish people took marching up to Yerushalayim for the holidays. And the word pa'amayich means footsteps, but also it means times. And pa'am, shalosh pamim, meaning the three times we have to go to Yerushalayim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. So the Pasach is describing the praise of the Jews and the loyalty and the love they show for undertaking this trip to go to the of HaMikdash. But it seems of all the things it's singling out are their shoes. What was unique about this article of clothing more than anything else? Why are we picking on the shoes? And Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach tells us the following. He said, although all the Jews had to go to Shalim on the holidays, it was a great danger. If you leave your home behind, the non-Jews will come and ransack it. And the Torah gives an assurance that no man will covet your land. Even the Canaanites who you threw out of the land will not do anything to your home. Now, obviously, the Torah is gu- guaranteeing that to us, but you can't legislate a So you have this Jew, imagine this Jew, he's, he's leaving his, his home in Tzvat, making the journey all the way down to your Shalayim. And the whole time as he's walking, He's nervous. He says, I know, I know. Hashem promises us. And I know I've done this for many years. And every time I come back, there's nothing wrong. And as you, um, but he's thinking about it. He's nervous. Now he's finally entering the gates of Yerushalayim. He's in the holy streets. And now he's he's coming to the Har the temple mount, as dictated by Aloha. He must remove his shoes before entering. And as he comes in, he's exposed to the glory, the holiness, the wonder, and the awe of the base of Middash. At that moment, the worries and the thoughts that had been disturbing him on the whole trip, they vanish. It's all forgotten. As he enters into this place of holiness, the presence of the Shechina is so tangible. And if we have to look back on the entire trip, we think this moment... When he is totally present and thinking of Hashem before Hashem in the base Amigdash must have the greatest favor before Hashem. Wow, I was so happy you, you're here and we're together, we're biting, we're feeling great. But Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arbach quoting the Vilna Maggid, says that the most pleasing moment in Shemaim is specifically when the Jew is struggling, when he's fighting to hold on to his faith, and that worry, that is especially beloved to Hashem. And Rabbi Shlomo Zalman would add that, and he was speaking to yeshiva boys, if Bachem would understand this idea, then they'd gain so much from their experiences and appreciating all their struggles and challenges along the way. And to realize the journey is not just a means to get from one place to another, but sometimes the riches are in the journey. And therefore, Shlomach says, Yafu, how beautiful are you? When? When you're in your shoes. When you're in your shoes and traveling and you're worried and you're struggling and you're debating, should I go back? Should I not go back? That is the most beautiful part of the whole experience. The struggling till we get to this point. Now I know we don't have a base Hamidash right now. And we don't have the mitzvahs that are associated with going up to the base of Migdush. But there's no different. There are great levels that we can reach at the Seder, as we will discuss shortly. But, and that's so to speak the great uh the great temple mount for us on this Passover night. And you gotta be for sure, there's a lot of challenges until we get there, the preparations, going to Sovies cleaning the house, not getting into fights with people. It's a lot of stress. And you got to figure, what is the part that Hashem loves the most while you're in your shoes, stressing out, and there's challenges? That's where the great reward is. Not so much as in the Seder when everything is calm. And therefore, we have to make sure to do what we can to be Mavater and be big people. And let me offer you a suggestion based on a story that happened with the Bas Ayin, Rav Avram Dov of Avruch, in Tzvass. And one year, there were plans to repaint the base medrash of the Bas Ayin in honor of Pesach. But the Rebbe, when he heard the plans, he said, no, he says, push it off until after Pesach. And he explained why. He says sometimes he, the commotion and the pressure before Yontem can get so intense and harsh words can be exchanged in a Jewish home. And in cases like this, the base medrash, the house of study, becomes a haven and an escape. And the rebel was worried that if there would be a commotion in the base medrash with painting, people wouldn't feel welcome there. So the Basayin was not suggesting that conflict was rampant throughout his Kehil and Tzfas, but he meant to say there's a possibility that even if in one home one of the people may feel that the Sahara was in danger of winning and he's having trouble being Mavater, and he may give in and say some things or do some things that he may regret. So the Rebbe wanted to ensure that the Beisamedish was would be available not just as a place of tranquility, but a place with the holiness to lift up the person. You see, the Rebbe understood the potential of these days and proportionately how much the Yetzar is going to try to pull us down. We have to do everything we can to stay up and being able to serve Hashem in the best way possible. And therefore, again, I suggest the shul is the best place to be three times a day you can come to the shul, de-stress. There's Torah we can learn. Take advantage. Take advantage and realize how precious these moments are, as difficult as they were. There's a servant, great tzaddik. I can't remember his name, I saw it somewhere. There was a tzaddik who said that he really wanted to get ready for the Seder, so he totally secluded himself from everybody. He let his wife, kids, what make it there. He's just going to totally go up to the heavens, getting ready for Pesach. Finally, had the seder. He's really ready for this. And at the end of the seder, he said, "You know, I did not feel the spiritual elevation like in other years." And he began to understand why, because spiritual elevation doesn't come unless there's great struggles to achieve it to sequester yourself in your home and not be stressed and overcome any stresses, that means you're not ready for the Seder. You haven't proven your worth. But rather the challenges that we go through, ah, and we try to make ourselves a godal, a big person, by what? Being mavater. Then we're ready for the Seder. Okay, so now the question is, how, you know, how we, with all that's going on in this world, all the distractions, how are we going to be able to connect to HaKadosh Baruch when we come to this Seder? How can it be that Hashem, who was served by such greater people than us, the patriarchs, Moshra, Benu, the Tanoim, the how can Hashem appreciate the kind of Seder that we're having? So, there's a story that Rabbi Yankel of Shavorsk would tell over about a relatively simple Jew who was sitting at the Seder with his son-in-law who was a young Talmud Chocham. And obviously, some of us experience this. Our children have gone to yeshiva. They're coming back. And what used to be a one-hour Seder is now a four-hour Seder. Anyway, so this was a long protracted Seder and they finally are reaching Chad Gadya at the end. And the son-in-law was extremely involved, contemplating each word. And the father-in-law couldn't figure out what's what's going on. We're at the end of the story. It's a little kid's story. And he understood, well, listen, the story of the exodus was a happy one. Eating matzah was a privilege. He couldn't figure out what the son-in-law found so emotional about this story of the animals and the sticks and the fires. So he looked on impatiently and finally asked his son-in-law what captured him so much with these last words of the God of Hadgad. And obviously the son-in-law, who was very well educated, couldn't find the words to explain it to his father, who was so ignorant. So he said a simple answer. He said, it's al-pi-sod. Sod "Sod" means it's a mystical secret. It's like Kabbalah. You're not going to understand it. The words are an expression of the hidden part of the Torah. And he figured his, father would res- his father-in-law would, father would respect and allow him to linger a little more in that state. Then the father-in-law broadly smiled and said, Aha! I knew it! I figured it had to be al-pisod. He was very pleased with himself. Now the son-in-law was confused. What? Had the father-in-law known? What's going on? The father-in-law saw he didn't really understand what al-pisod really means. He said, listen, I'm in business for many years and I'm no fool. And I know that there is nowhere that you can buy a goat for two Zuzin. The price is much bigger than that. So the story never made sense to me. But then I realized there's one possibility. You know, sometimes there's something called the black market. And on the black market, it could be cheaper. Because, and you make the sale very quickly for cash, then it's conceivable you could sell a goat for two zoos. <laughs> so the father-in-law said triumphantly, ah, that explains why the sale has to be conducted. He thought it meant al sold in secrecy. He didn't think it was a mystical letter. He just heard al sold. Oh, it's done in secrecy. Because that's the nature of the black market. Its transactions are conducted in complete secrecy. And the father-in-law wasn't done. He says, and now I understand something else. Proudly looking at his wristwatch, he says, It's 2 o'clock in the morning, well after midnight. How could the story even be true? If the market's been closed for hours already, where would anybody be able to buy a goat at this hour? But if you're talking about the black market, then it all makes sense, of course. They would prefer to do their business under the cover of darkness. (laughs) It's a funny story. But this was the story that the Rebbe of Shavorsk would tell and retell. Although it sounds amusing, it has great depth. And that's why the Rebbe would say it. And we have to understand, what does it mean? We asked before, how could Hashem appreciate our avoda? We're so distracted, we're so overwhelmed. How do we connect to Hashem? How can we do anything comparable to the patriarchs and the people before us? And we now understand with a little more of an insight of Shlom who taught that a person, it says, you buy, buy the goat, the Zabin Abba, the Zabin Abba, the, Ab, the simple meaning is, is that the father bought. But he also says a different thing. How can you buy your father? How can you buy your father in heaven? With Trey Zuse, with the choices we make. And how can this be? Because now we live in a time where remember the black market means when it's hard to get certain items. The items are way too expensive. You got to go on the black market. In the black market, there are different rules, different prices, and different values. And since the world around us has diminished the value of avodas Hashem, so any simple action, any simple motion of pure Avodah Hashem, is greatly cherished in. The Shemayim. And in a black market, two coins can go very far. And that was the power of the story told by the Shavarka Rebbe and the power of these words. We have to realize we're in the black market. The whole world is saying all kinds of things that are so contrary to what Judaism is all about. We are being Hashem control of the world is being assaulted in so many ways that I don't want to go into right now, but we all understand. And therefore, we have to take our mitzvahs into the black market. We can't express our things, pu- feelings publicly about Yiddishkeit, about God in control of the world, without incurring the wrath of all the liberal, godless people in the world. And if we say anything out loud, we're going to get canceled and we could get harmed. And chas v'sholem, chas f'sholem, maybe even murdered in a private school, God forbid. So to really express how we feel, Rabbi Isai, we got to do it in the black market, in our homes, without any social media. And you know, you can get great deals for a little bit of money. And compared Aravoda, compared to Moshe and Avram and all the tzaddik and the Chavetz Chaim, it's pittance. But in the black market, you can get good deals. If we're able to control ourselves, when we're in a world that doesn't know anything about self-control at all, and we can control ourselves, and then we can come all the way to the Seder and all the efforts that Hashem sees and He knows how hard it is. And now we do the Seder and our Seder is, so to speak, in the black market. Hashem values this so much. And finally, the last point is the Chos of Labin tells us. Tells us an amazing idea. He says the words of Chad Gaja, although we may not understand the deepest understandings, but it's he calls it a lachash, an incantation against the forces of impurity who are jealous of the closeness that we experience at the Seder and want to present, prevent us from rising up. So what does that mean in this story for us? We have to know one more thing. The rabbis tell us that just like Yom Kippur has a spitz, has the as the apex of everything and that's the what is the ne'ilah of Pesach? It's chadgadil. This Nigin, this story of the ox, the dog, the cat, and the goat. This is really the ne'ilah. It's the pinnacle of the night, and I know it's so hard because it's right at the end, just like just like Yom Kippur. The right at the end is ne'ilah, and at the end, we're tired and we're hungry, but we give it our all. We scream out, a Elokim!" We sing. It's incredible. And the Seder, we've given it our all the whole time. But from the other end, we've eaten and drunk wine and sang songs and everything, said Torah. Now we're coming right at the end. Now, Rabbi say, you know, in a regular Nihil and Yom Kippur, none of us would call it quits and fall asleep in the middle of Nihil. We got a great challenge at the Seder. When we come to the end, some people tend to say, I'm tired, The songs and this, and they fall asleep. They leave after the benching, whatever. This is it. The morale says that on this night every Yid attains the kedusha of a kohen gadol and Yom Kippur, and indeed Chagigah is Arneila. And how is this? Because what's been the whole point of the Seder? It's all about Hashem. It's all about Einod Malvado. There's nothing else but Hashem. And this song is the incantation to ward off the Yitzhar, and it shows us. That the entire world, every particle within creation, and every creature in the universe is governed by the master of the world. And an ox casually drinking water, what appears to be an arbitrary fight between a dog and a cat and a stick that seems to have accidentally been ignited, none of it's by chance. But rather it's a reflection of a precise, perfect system designed by a perfect creator a spiritually perfect ecosystem. There's a reason for it. There's a reason for everything. And this is the Ne'ilah, the close of the Seder, because this emuna, that Enod Movado, and anything that happened and is happening is all because of the will of Hashem. Let's look at the bookends of this season of Pesach. The bookends start this Shabbos, really, with Shabbos HaGadol where we can be big people. And yes, we're going to have the challenges. And when we're in our shoes, there's a lot of difficulties. And our, and, and our moods can be challenged. But to realize that's so precious to HaKadosh Baruch And all the things that seem to be not working out right for us, it's all connected, interconnected, like the Chagadia story. And we're dealing with a black market that nobody, nobody, the vast majority of people do not care about Hashem. They do not feel that Hashem controls the world. And even if Hashem makes you a boy and you a girl, people say, no, you're not in control, Hashem. I can be a girl even though I was created a boy. People, God says, I give life and I give death. And we say, no, we can murder millions of babies. God says, I'm in control of the climate. I decide how the world will be. People try to stop a flood, and I stop them. I'm in control, and don't think you can con- c- control the climate. All these things are saying one thing: there is no God. And if God forbid, we would say climate cl- climate change is a is a hoax. If we would speak up and say that abortion is murder, and if we say there's no such things as this transgender, they lock us up, they kill us, they shoot us. So we go undercover. Hashem will appreciate this seder so much. We all wish you all a chag kosher v'sameach. We hope to see you on this great Shabbos Hagadol, where we all try to make ourselves big people, and we become big enough, as the end of the avtora says, that Eliezer will come and bring in the greatest of the biggest days with all the big people like ourselves. Who have learned how to be big, help others become big, and bring bigness to the world with the Mashiach bin here of Yamainu Amen. Thank you all for listening.